0: Yo, that was Give It Up by Selena and X-Men, also known as Wookie. All right, that's about all the time we have for today. And don't forget to um, come to Dandenong Harmony Festival and give a big shout-out to Akimera for coming in and blessing her with a presence and ly- a beautiful music. Sweet as, and we're out. Peace.
6: And we're
7: still talking about
1: revolution and you're with free 855 am this is the doing time show i'm pete um we're going to just play a recording of the um anti-racist rally that happened um on
0: saturday
2: everybody for coming we're just about to get started if you want to just move your way a little bit into the middle so i just want to start with an acknowledgement of country the land that we're meeting on on this day quite an awful awful day considering the events of last night. I'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, whose land that we're on today, we're all congregating around, to show our support and sympathy and solidarity in the face of those very atrocious attacks last night in Christchurch. I'd like to acknowledge the elders past, present, future and emerging. I'd like to acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded On this land. And that the struggle against racism, colonialism, for self-determination in this country continues for Aboriginal people. And if we understand and look at the violence and brutality that we saw yesterday, that was the same brutality that Aboriginal people have been confronted with for over 200 years in this country. So I really want to acknowledge that sentiment, that statement, that solidarity before we begin. So I'm Jasmine Ali. I'm one of the organisers of the rally today, Stand Together Against Racism. I'm also going to be chairing the event with Upsara, and we just wanted to start by acknowledging the victims of the events last night. During the day, a horrendous loss of life, unspeakable. People receiving phone calls last night, not knowing about their loved ones, about their families. There's a lot of pain A lot of frustration and a lot of anger as well about what we've seen. I would like to say as well before later in the piece of the rally today, we will have an imam who will be leading a silent prayer for the victims so we can acknowledge them. I would like to say as one of the organisers of this rally, we have to understand at events, at times like this in the world, what has caused them and who is responsible so they don't happen again. It's important for us to understand that. And if you understand, looking at that atrocity yesterday, the massacre by a Nazi who was led, the killing was led by an Australian citizen. There has been a climate of Islamophobia in this country for many, many years, many years. And it's important we recognize that in many ways, the coalition has paved the way for seeing what's happened, what we have seen in Christchurch over the last over the last day or so, Shame. just to think about in the last year, in the last year, a motion in the Senate where the white supremacist slogan "It's okay to be white" voted for in the Senate Shame. earlier this year in St Kilda when Fraser Anning, another far right nationalist politician in the Senate flies down to a mobilisation in St Kilda with another group of Nazis. No condemnation from the Prime Minister about that. For many, many years, the government has passed draconian anti-terror legislation and this legislation has cast suspicion on all Muslims, on all Muslims in Australia questioning their legitimacy, stoking up fear and stoking up racism. Last week, was it even even a few days ago actually, Scott Morrison granted a visa for Milo Yiannopoulos to come to Australia, another far right commentator, to spread hatred to spread fear, racism, Islamophobia against lots of minorities, against Aboriginal people, Indigenous Indigenous people, Asians, all kinds of minorities, and he will be touring in April this year. Morrison and the Coalition have granted him a visa to do that as well. I think it's very, very clear from this pattern of events that white supremacy is not a fringe ideology in this country. It is at the very heart of the government policy, it is hardwired into the coalition. Thank you. Thank you. We suffer from another big problem in dealing with taking up this racism that produces these events that come in from official politics and mainstream and mainstream politics. Our opposition in this country, unfortunately, very disappointingly, they refuse to stand up to it. They refuse to come out and talk about all of the policies that are impacting so negatively on an entire community of people who have, as we've seen, are simply going about their day-to-day worshipping in in places like as, as mosques, safe places for people, doing the most innocent thing just for being Muslim, gunned down. It's absolutely disgraceful. There's one further point I want to make because we've heard it for a long time about free speech. A few years ago, it was a previous Prime Minister, well, a couple, of, a couple of Prime Ministers back now, they attacked the anti-discrimination legislation saying that essentially to have legislation in this country that's about protecting people, their religious rights, their, their freedoms, their ability to, to continue and conduct their lives without racist rhetoric. They attacked that legislation very vociferously. And I think it's important that we recognise the argument about free speech now. Free speech is not free, it comes with a price. And the people who are paying are the Muslims, the African people we've seen in the last year under the very intense campaign and Indigenous people, they are paying the price for this rhetoric, for these words, for this racism. I'd like to just make a final point Between, before moving on to our next speaker. It's the question about seeing everyone here today because I think it is so important when events like this happen, it's, it's so isolating that people come together, they show their solidarity, they stand with each other. There have been many, many messages sent to mosques in different places across Australia as well as as in New Zealand and the different cities. It's that spirit of solidarity. We have to recognise that this awful Islamophobia and racism is coming from the top of our society. They want to divide us. We have to stand together. We're doing it today and we'll continue to fight to overturn this racism
8: and push it back. (laughs)
2: So our first speaker today very lucky to have Anam Javed who's going to speak today. She's a grassroots activist for teachers for refugees, a high school teacher. She's written extensively about Islamophobia in Australia and more generally and please make her welcome to
5: speak today. Assalamu <laughs> alaikum everyone. I too, like Jasmine, would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land and their elders past, present and future. I'd like to thank the organisers for giving me a platform today to speak about what happened yesterday. We're all still processing it, but I'll, I'll do my best. Being a Muslim in Australia, or rather a Muslim woman, is quite a paradox. I'll tell you what happened to me this morning. I've been in the city pretty much all day and I got my cup of coffee from Melbourne Central. The barista said some really nice things and commiserated with me about the events that occurred yesterday. Then this lady who was also getting a coffee felt that that was the moment where she had to step in and say, Muslims got what they deserved. Finally, to my face in a public area. Such is life here for women like myself, especially if you're a woman identifiable by her headscarf. We've somehow become the flag bearers of Islam, and I'm certainly not an authority on my religion. Before you think this is a subjective rant, I want to share with you some statistics that were published within a report in 2017 by Deakin University. Also, I'd like to clarify the definition of Islamophobia for those who are in denial or don't accept its existence. I'll give you the simplest definition. It's a special form of racism revealing indiscriminate negative attitudes or emotions directed at Islam or Muslims. An Islamophobic incident is any act comprising of abusive hatred, vilification, and violence inflicted on Muslims going about their daily lives. Let me share some key findings of the report with you. Women, especially those wearing the hijab, 80% of them have been the main targets of Islamophobia. One in three women had their children with them when the incidents happened. 98% of the bystanders identified the perpetrators to be Anglo-Celtic. Perpetrators were likely to be male and were likely to make the attack in a public space. So I want you to really ponder that, in a public space. Most reported physical assaults happened in New South Wales and, and Victoria. Surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, Queensland, despite its tiny Muslim population, had a disproportionately high number of Islamophobic incidents. I wonder why. Of the in-person Islamophobic attacks, 48% of them, half of them, happened in crowded spaces that were frequented daily. I'm talking shopping centres, train stations. This is expected, as most Muslims are expecting now to encounter more and more incidents such as this. What is quite worrying, though, is that these incidents are being condoned by bystanders who are not interfering or intervening in any capacity. In fact, the number of passive bystanders in these incidents is 75%. So 75% of people are choosing to watch as these things happen. I, too, had my moment when early last year, I was going about my Sunday grocery shopping at a Woolies in Doncaster. I had my hijab pulled off by an angry man who thought Muslims were taking over Australia. That was his genuine reason when we had a conversation, a civil conversation about it, facilitated by bystanders who intervened. And I said, why did you do it? And he said, well, if you listen to the news, you guys are everywhere, you're taking over. And I told him, we're 2.6% of the country's population. Not that that justifies anything, but where are these facts and perceptions coming from? In New Zealand, where the attack happened yesterday, the terrorist attack, the population of Muslims is less than 1%. As Waleed Ali eloquently said yesterday in, in his speech in the project, Muslims aren't surprised by this. We've been warning you guys for ages. We saw it coming. Why, you might ask. Well, we've had dozens of mosques vandalised in the past decade, especially since 9-11. We've had severed pigs' heads mailed to our community members. We've had swastikas painted on our Muslim student community hubs at universities. Children have been repeatedly harassed in school on public transport and in the media. Scott Morrison, our senior most politician at the moment, leveraged anti-Muslim sentiment to create a uniting agenda for the Liberal Party only a few years ago. This man today has the goal to condemn Senator Fraser Anning for his hateful comments, which good segue to Anning, he published his comments on a parliamentary letterhead. Anning is an elected senator who does not want to join Pauline Hanson's One Nation Party. Let me tell you why. Because according to him, the One Nation Party doesn't hate Muslims enough. They're not harsh enough on Muslims. Adding quoted words from the Bible yesterday to describe the mosque attacks as something we Muslims had coming. He blamed lenient migration policies for letting so many Muslims into New Zealand and Australia. Just reminding you 1% of New Zealand's population is Muslim. Just recently our Home Affairs Minister Peter Dutton quite confidently went on record to state that the biggest mistake Australia made was letting Lebanese refugees in in the 80s, 70s and 60s. This man is in charge of our migration and citizenship portfolio. Someone must have elected him. While I appreciate the outpouring of grief for our communities, I need you to know that we're being marginalised in our workplaces, in schools and on the street. When Sonia Kruger took to national TV and said that as a mother she felt unsafe, where was the widespread condemnation? Where was everyone when Tony Abbott said, Islamophobia is not a real threat, it hasn't killed anyone. be an actual ally, be there for us when our faith is weaponized for political gain. Be there when our existence is made intolerable and we're sharing our stories with you, acknowledge them and validate us, okay? And I just want to leave you on the sobering thoughts about two of the victims from yesterday's attack. The first man to be gunned down yesterday was a 71-year-old Afghan refugee man called Daud Nabi. He welcomed the gunman into the mosque by saying, Salaam brother, or welcome brother. He was gunned down a second later. Naeem Rashid stepped over the body of his dead son Taha and tackled the gunman, the terrorist, and sacrificed his life doing so. We need to remember these victims. But also we need to remember how we got here today. Things need to change. We have a responsibility to ensure that right-wing hatred does not continue to dictate our government policies and media rhetoric. And every single person here has a part to play in this. Thank you.
9: Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Oman. So I just want to, uh, before uh, we bring up uh, Mohammed Helmi, I just want you to realise, and what we're talking about is we have enablers. We have enablers in our media and we have enablers in politics. We have an election coming up. It's going to probably be in May. Vote out this Scott Morrison government. remember is Scott Morrison is part of the problem okay he is part of the problem for a number of reasons okay in 2011 he actually was very much and this is on record he was very skeptical about multiculturalism and he actually questioned Muslim immigration and the ability of Muslim people to integrate into Australian society This is. Abominable! We have a prime minister, the leader of this country, who has those views. We also have to recognise that he is part of a party that only just recently voted and he voted um, because it was okay to be white. Okay, we're living in a society where white privilege has been um, white privilege has been around for 230 years. This is the privileged class coming and telling us that. They are not privileged. Really, that is shame on him and shame on all those people who voted for it. Yay! 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 So, without much ado, I'm going to now introduce our second speaker. Our second speaker is Mohammed Helmi. Mohammed is the secretary of the Islamic Council of Victoria and a long standing Muslim community and anti racism activist. Mohammed, please come to
0: the stage. Assalamu alaikum, everybody. Just, wa- wa- just want to let you know that straight after my talk, uh, we had planned to hold a, pr- uh, a Muslim prayer for the people who passed away. It's a standing prayer, and we wanted, I guess, everybody to um, witness, participate, and it's a, it's a good act of solidarity I think so uh, Sheikh Alaa hopefully should be on his way and he'll lead that uh, prayer so if you want to prepare yourself by coming forward I guess it might be a good idea. Um, today was about the wider topic of anti-racism but given the disgusting events that happened yesterday in Christchurch one cannot but talk about the incident. More than 40 people have been mercilessly killed and many more critically injured during the Friday prayers yesterday Friday prayers is a weekly ritual that Muslims do and um, and the perpetrators in this case knew exactly what they were doing and the timing and they knew that knew that these people will be uh, will be defenseless and they walk in and gun them down one by one pre-planned cold-blooded terrorism Firstly Firstly, from here, we send our condolences, prayers and solidarity with the families of those who passed away and with those who were injured and we have a a couple of people right here actually. He used to pray right in that mosque um, a couple of years ago. Secondly, The Australian Muslim community are absolutely horrified and shaken by what happened yesterday and particularly that one of the perpetrators was confirmed to be Australian it is very close to home very close to home on the positive side the Islamic community and the Islamic Council of Victoria have received messages and phone calls of support and solidarity during these difficult times from many within the community. And I want to acknowledge that the Jewish leaders, the Jewish community, the Sikh leaders, the Sikh community, political leaders, academics, friends and supporters, flowers and letters were left outside many mosques around Melbourne and around Victoria in a heartwarming display of what Australia stands for. The support is appreciated and has gone a long way to ease our pain and to comfort our hearts. And for that, I say thank you. Thirdly, and and despite despite how the Australian media and our own government has described the events, and despite the perpetrators being white, what happened in Christchurch was an act of terrorism, and the murderers are terrorists. Some described what happened as as unprecedented, and indeed it is unprecedented in terms of its impact, but in terms of its ideology, it is not. Muslims, and particularly Muslim women, have suffered vilification and racism on daily basis. Racism against any sector of our community does not only hurt that community, but it destroys the very fabric of society. There is no place, or, there is no place for hate or racism in our society against any sector of that society. Islamophobia is a form of racism Racism is ugly. Racism kills. Islamophobia kills. Fraser Anning, and I have to make mention of him since I'm speaking on behalf of the ICV. Fraser Anning has released, as you all know, a statement last night, essentially justifying the act of terror on an Australian parliamentary letter. And he said, and I quote, what it highlights, he is saying, what it highlights is the growing fear within our community, both in Australia and New Zealand, of the increasing Muslim presence. This, my brothers and sisters, is hate. This is ignorance. This is lack of humanity that we deal with on daily basis as Muslims. People like Annie sit in our parliament legislating for us. Childrens, parents, and friends are all mourning today their loved ones. And Fraser Annie and his far-right friends has the audacity to blame it on the Muslim community. Shame on you Annie, shame! and media must realize that these evil acts do not happen in vacuum. Relentless Islamophobic rhetoric and fear-mongering against Islam and Muslims often by those in public domain has given permission for the kind of violence to occur. Hate rhetoric kills people because it dehumanizes them. But Anning is not the only one in our parliament that kills by saying when Pauline Hansen said a few months ago Islam is a disease Australia needs to vaccinate when she said that her statement killed people and will continue to kill people it is a hate crime it leads to Muslim women and children being violated every day in trains and in public spaces in Australia Those politicians need to be held accountable for what they say. Finally. Finally. um, Tomorrow, there was uh, a while ago, organized the Open Mosque Day. It was organized a while ago. And the, um, the Muslim community has pondered whether it actually proceeds with the event or not. But that successful, uh, it was planned for tomorrow, Sunday, where 21 mosques and religious centres across Victoria will open the doors to welcome people of all faiths. While that event will now, no doubt, be tinged with sadness, it will go ahead. And we will not succumb to acts of terror. We invite, we invite all Victorians of all faiths to visit your nearby mosque, to meet and support your fellow Australians in a warm and welcoming space. Thank you. Sorry. So, yes, we're going to start the prayer now, it will take about four to five minutes. So the Imam is here. So please, for those who want to join the prayer, move to the front of the rally and we will line up here in the front and everybody else can either watch or join in.
9: We can have like a, have like a nice protective circle around,
0: uh, around um, uh, Muslim brothers and sisters
9: whilst they proceed with the prayer. So uh, please make space for um, uh, people of the Muslim faith who would like to actually join in a prayer. And just uh, anyone who is wanting to pray, please remember you're facing the northwest. So just the corner, facing the corner of um, Lonsdale, Latrobe Street. Sorry.
10: Assalamu alaikum and good afternoon, everyone. Inshallah, we'll be having the prayer of al-Ghaib. The prayer is asking Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to have mercy upon upon the brothers and sisters that pass away. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to consider them as martyrs, insha'Allah. So I would like to request all the Muslims that would be having the prayers with us to be lining behind the Shaykh. And first of all, even before we're starting to have the prayer, I'd like to thank all these brothers and sisters from different faiths and different religions that are coming to share sympathy with the Muslims and supporting their brothers and sisters in humanity. So I'd like to call upon the Muslims, insha'Allah, that will be praying the prayer of janazah to pray behind the Shaykh. And please make sure that no one is in front of the Shaykh. So the salah would be valid inshallah. So please if you are a muslim and you're going to pray please make sure that you pray behind the sheikh on this line insha'Allah. Jazakumullah <laughs> khair. Okay, salatul ghaib for those who passed away. When people pass away in a certain place, people pray janaza over them, which means they ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to have mercy upon these people and will make dua for them inshallah. If some people are living in different countries they can pray the same Salah, the same prayer for them if they live in different country insha'Allah, which we are doing today. So the way of doing the prayer, we have will be standing up, it's different from all the other types of prayers, will be standing up, and the Imam would be doing four takbirat. The first one, he will be saying, Allahu Akbar, and everyone will be saying, repeating after him, Allahu Akbar. After the first takbira, you say, you recite, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Surah Al-Fatiha. All of it secretly, you don't say it out loudly. And then after the second takbira, insha'Allah, you will say the Ibrahimiya, the second half of Tashahud. You say it secretly as well. And after the third takbira when the Imam is doing the third takbira, insha'Allah, you'll be sending prayers to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for these people that passed away. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on them. You make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept them as martyrs, insha'Allah, and to accept them in the righteous people and to put them in paradise, insha'Allah. And finally, after the fourth one, we make dua for all the people that pass away, all the Muslims that pass away, insha'Allah. So these, this is the description of this Salah, and insha'Allah will be starting now, and after the Salah itself, we'll be making dua, insha'Allah, for these people and their families, insha'Allah. Jazakumullah the direction of the Qibla this way. So again if you would like to pray and join us in the prayer, please make sure, first of all, that you pray behind the sheikh and direct your face to the Qibla inshaAllah, which is the direction of the prayer.
7: As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullah as alaykum wa rahmatullah Allah says in the Quran, Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu sta'eenu bil sabri wa salah بشيء من الخوف والجوع ونقص من الأموال والأنفس والثمرات وبشر الصابرين الذين اذا اصابتهم مصيبه قالوا قالوا ان لله وانا اليه راجعون اولئك عليهم صلوات would you who have believed
10: seek help through patience and prayer indeed our Lord is with the patient and do not say about those who were killed in the way of our Lord that they are dead Rather they are alive but you are not aware and we will surely test test you with something of fear, hunger and a loss of wealth, lives and provision and give glad tidings to the patient who when disasters strike them they say indeed we belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and indeed to him we will return. Those Those are the ones upon whom are the blessings from their Lord. And mercy and it is those who are the guided my brothers and sisters inshallah who make dua for brothers and sisters that passed away may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on them and also we make dua for their families and for our home inshallah so please say amin. Oh our Lord we thank you for the blessings that you have bestowed upon us and we thank you for granting us safety in our home Australia Oh, our Lord, we ask you to protect our beautiful country, to keep it safe and prosperous. O our Lord, we ask you to send your mercy and blessings upon the souls of our Muslim brothers and sisters who lost their souls and lives and accept them, Ya Allah, as martyrs. We ask you, Ya Allah, to grant these people that were injured a fast and speedy recovery. O our Lord, we ask you to grant patience to their families and support them, Ya Allah, in that time of hardship and difficulty. Oh, our Lord, spread peace among humanity. Unite our hearts Amen. and bring us close together Amen. so that we may work for the betterment of our beautiful home and our religion, Islam, insha'Allah. Amen. Jazakumullahu khairah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from you all and special thanks to the brothers and sisters from different religions and faiths. This is what Australia is. Jazakumullahu and thank you very much.
9: for your very uh, thoughtful prayer. Um, words cannot describe how sad we all are. You know, we're all very sad about what has happened. And it's very difficult for everyone to think that hu- human beings can do what they did to each other. You know, the kind of killing that just happened there was just incredible. They are often denied protection visas and face the prospect of being refelled back to Sri Lanka. So without much ado, can I please introduce uh, get uh, Lavanya to come up?
8: Thank you everyone for taking part in this action to end racism. I like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of this land. I pay my respect to their elders past, present and emerging. This land was stolen and never ceded. This always was and always will be aboriginal land. They are the first and most affected people by the racist policies of successive governments in this country. There are business people who have built their wealth by running public campaigns against Aboriginal people. Racist ideas promoted by our government have played an important role in the history of to divide the masses of the world against each other to allow the races to rule. Racist ideas have destroyed communities around the world. It's heartbreaking and I'm still in disbelief what happened yesterday in New Zealand. For many of our leaders have been creating fear and promoting hatred towards migrants and refugees. End result is terrorism. As a Tamil, I can understand the fear that exists in Muslim community now. My parents fled Sri Lanka's war because of similar idea promoted by the singular Buddhist extremists in that country. As a result, I had to live in a refugee camp for over 22 years, and tens and thousands of Tamils were murdered by the extremists in 2009. Racism never ends well. We must force our government to abandon it before it's too late. Racism in this country has destroyed so many refugees' lives in the past 20 years. We have many reports revealing sexual abuses, self-harm attempts, child abuses and atrocious conditions endured by refugees in Australia-run detention centres. Refugees are being bashed to death by guards who are employed by the Australian government-funded companies. There are hundreds of refugees kept as a political prisoners by our government on Manus Island. In the meantime, Over 30,000 people on bridging visas live in open prisons, vulnerable to abuses by greedy employers and racist security officers. They live under constant fear of being deported to danger. Racism is destroying so many lives here. I've been in this country only for three years and I can share so many stories of personal experience with racial racism in workplaces, public transports and public
10: places.
8: I used to work at a pharmacy as a shop assistant. It was my first job in Australia. There there where I first experienced racism. One day an old man refused to come to the counter and requested to be served by a white assistant. I called him many times but he kept on repeating that he didn't want to be served by a bloody black woman. After being verbally abused, he eventually got what he wanted. While there were no physical attacks, it took me a long time to recover from that experience. When Australian society discriminates people in the name of our race, ethnicity, nationality, colour, religion and so on, there are also many people who accept it as a normal. People who accept casual racism in the society have a problem with their values. They have problem with accepting nature and we won't let your problem hurt and torture traditional owners, migrants, refugees, other Muslim community. Bravo, bravo, strong. Australia is a country of diversity. We are a multicultural and multiracial society. Nearly 50% of the Australians is either born overseas or has a parent who was born in overseas. People from non-English speaking background experience higher levels of racism. There are a number of groups who experience racial profiling in the most acute way in Australia. If a Sudanese are a Abortional people are Muslim or migrant or refugee commit a crime. It's overreported in the media even before a proper investigations. If you are a migrant, you are more like, likely to be stop, stopped by the police than the white person. Unemployment rate among migra- migrants are far higher than locals. Migrants force indirectly to hide their identity to get a job in Australia. We must oppose all forms of racism. We share a common humanity and we all have a role in respecting the right of all the the people to enjoy it equally with dignity. Very good, very good. Let's smash the divide and rule politics, stand together in support of one another and stop racism now. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Thanks, thanks Lavanya. Um, Lavanya. We just have a couple of more speakers before we're going to head off um, to march and, and have some chants um, about about racism and bringing us together and I think we'll pick up some people along the way. Um, the next people we have to speak are two high school students. If Some people don't know actually around the world today. It's the United Nations Day for the... international. It's the International Day for the Elimination of Racial Discrimination. And people are mobilising and marching in Europe as well. challenge and confront the growth of the far right in places like Europe we've seen with people coming to power like Donald Trump. And one of the things we have seen in Australia as well is the way that the Liberal government has been channeling populist messages and populist policies. Over the last year we saw the way that they they attacked Sudanese people as well for many months and months and months, the barrage of racism, the same barrage of racism we've seen in the media against Muslims. And these two young students are here to speak about standing up to that today. Hello, my
5: name
6: is Shima I'm Praise. started shooting at the side of the room. I laid down on the floor as a bullet grazed my head. A couple of centimeters and I'd be dead. Firstly, I'd like to send my condolences to the families of those who were murdered yesterday in Christchurch Mosque and those affected by the tragedy. The actions of a 20-year-old white man motivated by hatred was wrong, malicious, and dark. It was white supremacy, racism at its core. His selfish actions caused death, pain, and suffering to mothers, fathers, and children. This man consecutively expressed speech of malice and finally put his pra- preach into practice. With symptoms of hostility, Brenton tar- forced his poisonous ideologies onto the doorsteps of defensive worsh- worshippers and disrupted what was once viewed as a nation of peace. Sp- spreading, sh- spreading shame and trauma He gave us a check, uh, a reality check, exposing the toxic right-wing extremist hate that runs in the bloodstreams of neo-Nazis among our population. How long until the next attack? How long until the next blood of, how long until the next drop of blood is shed to racism? Do we have to resort to a state of hyper-vigilance imprisoned with the feeling of anxiety? Is that the kind of country we want to hand down to the next generation? I hope not, but I need more than hope. I need validation. From media outlets to politicians, we need you to join us in solidarity and condemn the presence of racism in our society (laughs) and enforce the morals and ethics you proclaim are protocols of this country. We as a nation are scared and concerned for the future and we need you, Mr. Prime Minister, Mr. Premier and other politicians to compromise your political desires endorse your duty of care and take action to eliminate the hatred that inspires horrific sins like that the one that occurred yesterday. Yeah, yeah, bravo, bravo. I am here to contest against racism. We are here to contest against racism to prevent more lives from being taken and to make Australia a better and safer place. Attention all white supremacists, right-wing racists and xenophobic politicians. Yes, you, President. We are here to tell you that we don't approve of your hatred, there's no place for it in our home, and we will continue to fight against your loathing. Yeah, yeah. Bravo. Yeah. Very
7: good,
3: very
4: good. Strong. One of the reasons people cling to their hate so stubbornly is because they sense when hate is gone, they will be forced to deal with pain. A quote said by a great man, James Baldwin, he was a man who saw and observed the world for what it was. He experienced and passed down his work in a hope that the world that he, has lived, he had lived in would no longer be a reality for us today. Jim Bolden is one of the amazing black men that I have been exposed to in my short life. Accompanied by the works of Malcolm X, he has shaped my work and my views on the existence of the world made up of the privileged and the victims, exposing me to what happens when the world is full of followers. Well, I refuse to be a follower. I refuse to watch as injustice happens every day. I refuse yeah, yeah, to be silent. Yeah, yeah, bravo, bravo. Because no revolution is started without rule breakers. Discrimination is being blinded by a reality. It's not believing what other people have to live with because it doesn't fit in your idea of what right is. It is fault It's the white race saying to us, well, there's no such thing as racism. Well, I'm sorry. Do you have to walk down the street every day with people staring at you? Do you have to go into shops with people looking at you, calling police on you? Do you have to watch where you're going every single day because you're so scared? No, you don't. Bravo, bravo, strong. Thank you. Only when people acknowledge that they have privilege, would they be part of the movement? When you downplay people's struggle and you tell them, well, there's no such thing as racism, you take away their power, you take away their individuality, you take away their strength. Wow. let finish off. Children have never been very good at listening to their elders. Well, but they have never failed to in- imitate them. And it's due to the amazing people that I'm surrounded by today that inspire me to be a resilient person to see the beauty in the world but also see its failures giving me the strength to, pers- to be persistent and drive for change while well, maybe one day I might not be able to see the change but it's a change that I'll continue to strive for Thank
7: you come on, come on. Very
4: good. Very good. And one thing, let's just call it what it is it was a terrorist attack
2: Yeah, yeah. Our last speaker before we march off today is going to be Marie Kionis she's an indigenous activist from here in Melbourne Known and um, and she has been an uh, yeah. staunch fighter and warrior for her people for many, many years, organising the Invasion Day rallies that hundreds of us have been a part of, and she's here to share a message of solidarity today. Please make her welcome. Thank
3: you, Jazun. I've brought a of my sisters to stand with me today on the stage. Firstly, I just want to acknowledge the Kulin Nations, and it's particularly the Wurundjeri people and the Wurrung peoples. Um, and I'd like to acknowledge that this country was built on white supremacy and white ter- terrorism that's been carried out for 230 years.
9: Right, right.
3: Mass graves exist everywhere you walk in Victoria and the killers are still celebrated today. Australia is to Aboriginal people as Israel is to Palestine. I would like to send to all the families and the communities that are impacted by this horrendous act of terror. I'd like to acknowledge acknowledge and extend my solidarity to all the countries in the Middle East currently being bombed by Western countries as we speak. We cannot end anti-Islamic racism in this country without ending anti-black racism and anti-indigenous racism and all forms of human supremacy. The genocide and the white supremacist terror continues to be carried out today in every prison and in almost every Aboriginal community by Victoria Police. Aboriginal people are the most incarcerated race in the world. That is white supremacist terrorism. Yeah, yeah. Go on, go on. These racist institutions are destroying our culture and our community. Yeah. We have to stand in solidarity together, each and every one of us, to end white supremacy in all of its forms from Palestine to Christchurch to Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to remind everybody that hatred wins elections here, racist hatred and with that I'd like to make a special mention.
1: say salam to all my friends um, who are there and who are grieving and who are hurting and who are bleeding in the hospitals and who are burying their loved ones today. May Allah have mercy on all of you. In New Zealand we're mostly first-generation Muslims and it's a very small tight-knit community. We go there as refugees fleeing from imperial colonialism and war. Whether we're Palestinian, Afghan, Algerian, Moroccan, Iraqi and Somali and now Syrian in New Zealand. So the pain is not just the pain of one single massacre. It's the pain of ongoing violence against Muslim people across the world. I wanted to say, that our people are rarely seen as victims when we are the victims of imperial wars, colonization, Israeli occupation and white supremacist Nazi attacks that are very organized and that have a long history against us. These attacks are fatal as we can see. Whereas often in the media and by politicians, Nazi ideology and white supremacy has just become a buzzword It's like, oh, a Nazi's over there. Let's just ignore them. Oh, a Nazi's over here. Let's just, yeah, no Nazis. I want to emphasize that media coverage is a very serious issue, whether it's coverage of Muslim casualties and attacks on Muslims, and also in their coverage of white supremacist violence. I want to ask, where were the authorities when this Nazi was planning his attack openly on social media. He was live streaming his killing spree. He was live streaming a massacre with all his comrades, his Nazi comrades watching and saying, all hail. This is what Nazi ideology does. This is what fascism is today. I want to also bring up the war on terror and the racial profiling that has happened in the past two decades. Because when we talk about the war on terror, we talk about the police state, and we talk about how Muslims have been raided, have been under surveillance, And have been under attack while Nazis have been given a free pass. They have been enabled and emboldened through this structure. Neo Nazis have been able to proliferate and they've flourished over the past two decades and we're seeing that now, today. I also wanted to say that yesterday's massacre reveals the irresponsibility of the media and politicians who must acknowledge their role in the way people have come to perceive Muslims and Islam. So they see us as terrorists. They see us as invaders. They see us as a threat, as a menace. They see us as out to get them. This did not happen out of nowhere. This came about through not just two decades, but centuries of Orientalism. And we see that today. The foreignness of Islam and Muslims that this killer used to call Muslims invaders has been a constant media trope and politicians fall back on it all the time. It's labor and liberal who are locking up Muslims in detention. The fear of the brown person, the fear of brown bodies. This is how this country runs. So I'm not surprised when I see white supremacy end up in a massacre. That's because white supremacy is killing Muslims all across the world. Politicians today give us their sympathies and they talk about the Muslim community but again they're talking about it as if that we need welcoming. We are foreign and they want to welcome us, well we don't need welcoming, we are here, we live here. And what we need is protection, what we need is safety, and what we need is solidarity in this fight against fascism and white supremacy. What we need is an end to the violence in Palestine, in Syria, in Iraq, in Afghanistan, in Somalia. I can't even continue the list. In Yemen, in Chechnya, in Kashmir, this is all imperial, settler, colonial violence and it.